you, it's Belen Diaz and this is the Evolve Show. And today we're gonna be talking about health. And you might be wondering, what is that related with confidence? Well, it's everything. If you don't feel good with your body, your health, your immune system, then you don't feel good with yourself. So today we have somebody who knows everything about this and her name is Dr. Kisha. Dr. Kisha is an integrative medicine expert doctor of sexology, family practice, and certified trauma therapist, among other expertises. Hello, Dr. Kisa, how are you? Oh, I'm so delighted to be here, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, and it's a pleasure to have you here. I know you're very busy, so it's a total honor. Mm -hmm. And I would like to start maybe talking a little bit about you, your work, or what you do. Sounds good. Um, I actually am an integrative medicine specialist and people will say, well, what's integrative medicine? And you know, the way that the Western medical paradigm has gotten is that there are specialists, right? You have a kidney specialist and a heart specialist and a brain specialist and a hormone specialist. And there's, it's like all of the fingers on the same hand don't know what the other one's doing. So the hand doesn't work very well. And we try really hard to separate out the mind from the body, from the emotions, from the spirit. And actually, that's not how we are made and it doesn't work. And so other than acute care issues, like if you have a heart attack, you want to go straight to an emergency room. If your appendix, you know, is about to rupture, you want to go have that looked at, right? But for chronic issues and, and for preventing chronic issues or acute problems, our medical model doesn't do a very good job. And so I wasn't in practice for very long, probably about three months, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. after I graduated. And I remember talking across my desk to a, a patient of mine who had come to see me for gastroesophageal reflux disease. And she, you know, she wanted to be put on a proton pump inhibitor like Prilosec, right? And I, I just remember asking her, so do you notice what triggers your esophageal reflux, your GERD? And is there more stress leading up to a time when you have more GERD, you know? And, and so she noted it and said, yes, she's, she has a lot of anxiety. And I said, well, you know, like Prilosec is not going to help anxiety. So it, it just made me realize I have to go back to school. And, and really learn how to be a good therapist too. And then, and then after that, I had to go back to school because I had all these women coming in wanting bioidentical hormone replacement therapy because their sister or their mother or their friend or their daughter um, was on it and was feeling great because I'd prescribed it. And they would come in and say, I want some of what she's having. And again, I would start asking these very, very simple questions like, so do you, do you like your sex partner? <laughs> you know, if they would say they had low That's libido. A good question. <laughs> yeah, and and then so many women would start to cry, and wow. they would say, you know, they would tell me stories. They would start to unfold, like, well, he had an affair five years ago, and I've forgiven him, but ever since then, I haven't really wanted to have sex with him, you know. And and again, I would say, you know, like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone aren't going to solve this problem. And so it was that way over and over and over again. And so I went back to school and I did a study called the Healing Unresolved Trauma Study. And I got my PhD in sexology 
because I was starting to see that for women in particular, one of the biggest barriers to mm, desire for life and the passion that they felt in their lives and then also their own health was relationship problems. And so, you know, and they would want to have some sort of pill to fix that and there isn't one. So, you know, I, again, I started realizing there, there's got to be a different model for this than what's being offered right now. And as I dove into the research, I found that, you know, like any kind of question about sex is only asked 35% of the time mm -hmm. and mostly by nurse practitioners, you know, and that most people would just answer they were fine because they, they could see that their doctor was clearly uncomfortable with the question and didn't really want to answer it. So it's like all these people are falling through the cracks, right? They're, they're not speaking up for what it is that's going on for them. They don't have someone across from them that's attuned and listening to them. And it's just, it's like nothing good is happening out there, right? Yeah, so are you saying like mostly the health problems that specifically women has, they're coming because of relationships with people around themselves it's like more like it's not just a health issue like a physical right yeah i i'm not saying that's all the time like someone will hear my voice and say well i love my husband you know and and yet i have this autoimmune disease because it's not just your current relationship mm -hmm. when i i was diagnosed when i was 30 i'm 55 today I mean, it's not my birthday today, but right now I'm 55. And, and when I was 30, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease that just took me out. But, you know, I had been running marathons. I was raising four little children. I had a really happy life. And one day, my friends used to call me the Energizer Bunny. And one day I woke up and I was like flattened. It was as if someone had taken the batteries out of the Energizer Bunny. And I had gained 10 pounds over my joints and they were red and they were inflamed and they were swollen and I had no energy and I was in so much pain. And so I got in to see a doctor and in the course of taking a history, she asked me if I had autoimmune disease in my family. And I said, oh yeah, my, my grandfather died before I was born, but he had rheumatoid arthritis. And that's what she diagnosed me with. That's what I had. And she said, okay. And she gave me these two prescriptions, just like right away. Okay, it's in your family. Check, and then right yeah, exactly. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a drug that actually fights cancer, methotrexate. And here's another one that's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And she handed them to me and she said, when you get worse, come back. Not if. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and I said, well, hang on just a second. You know, there... I'm really disciplined. I make my own food. I, I, I exercise regularly. Like, just tell me what it is I need to do and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm sorry. You just drew the short end of the genetic lotto, you know? So it was like, close the book because it's genetic and put it on the shelf. And I was driving home thinking that can't, that can't be right. There has to be something else. And up until that point, I was completely Western med. I mean, I had been schooled in the Western medical paradigm. I was a nurse in, in an ICU, you know, a house supervisor of nurses. I just, I didn't know anything else besides the Western paradigm. And to have it fall so short for me and say, 
well, here's an illness that will never get better. And here are two drugs to manage the symptoms, but you're going to get worse, you know? And so I just remember thinking there has to be a different answer. And I started doing my own research and I found an article on yoga and, and autoimmune disease and it being helpful. And so the very next day I was in my very first yoga class. And in that class, the teacher said he mentioned this word that was enough to get my interest peaked. And so he said Ayurveda and he started talking a little bit about it. And so then I went back home and looked up Ayurvedic medicine, which is the 10,000 year old sister science of yoga that comes out of India. I'd never been exposed to it. And what I read just changed my life because one of the things that Ayurveda says is that autoimmune disease, which 80% of autoimmune diseases are diagnosed in women. Wow. And it takes anywhere from 20, 10 years to 30 years to actually have a full-blown autoimmune disease develop. So you can be working on one and not know it for decades, actually, mm -hmm. before you finally get diagnosed. And then the other thing they said is we're not all the same. That actually blew my mind because in Western medicine, we don't think like that. And then the last thing that I learned from Ayurveda that afternoon that just changed everything was that autoimmune disease is undigested anger. Wow. So this idea that you actually have to digest your feelings and your experiences and your memories and your emotions, just like you digest your food. I had never heard of such a thing. And I thought, oh. And so as I continued to go to yoga, I actually became a yoga teacher and I learned how to meditate. And one day as I was sitting in meditation, this word autoimmune started kind of dancing in front of me and I kept trying to swat it away so I could have no thoughts, right? Yeah. And then it just kept coming back and coming back. And I thought, okay. So I, so I looked at it and I realized, oh, auto, autoimmune means I'm attacking myself. This actually means that I'm committing suicide in a societally acceptable manner. And so then I asked this question that was the most important question to ask, not how do I get rid of it, but why do I want to die? Because in this moment, I don't. So somewhere along the line, I must have, because my cells are actually behaving that way now. And so I started going back in my meditation. I, I call it like following the golden breadcrumb trail backwards in my, in my history. And as I was sitting there meditating, just kind of watching a movie go backward, 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 I landed on this little girl version of myself who was about 10 years old and was being sexually abused by the vice principal of my elementary school. And I remember looking at her and going, oh, she wanted to die. She really wanted to die. She didn't know why this was happening. She was being told by the vice principal that it was her fault because she was a bad kid. She had tried to tell her mom, her dad was out to sea in the Navy. And, but her, like back in those days, I didn't even know the word sex, I don't think. I didn't know the word molestation. I didn't know the word abuse. It was a different era back then. And I was a Navy brat. We moved all over the place. I was very sheltered. And I didn't understand anything. So I tried to tell teachers, I tried to tell my mom, and none of them could really get what I was saying. So I really did want to die. So I looked at that and I thought, this has to do with, with this 
disease today. I know it does. It has to. And so I, I went into therapy and I really worked on, you know, removing that trauma and rewiring my brain and the belief structure that I had set up as a result of that trauma. And within six months, my rheumatoid arthritis was gone. I never did take those medications, wow. you know, and, and it's never been back. And so relationships, not just your modern ones, but the relationship to your experiences in your life, if you haven't properly digested them. So whatever beliefs and meanings you created around certain events in your life, it doesn't have to be these capital T traumas like I just talked about. You know, it can be any, any form of rejection, any betrayal, you know, kids have rejection constantly and they fail all the time because we're just little kids trying to learn how to be big people in a world that's governed by big people. And we're being told all the time whether or not we're good or bad. And so whatever meanings we make up at the time of each of these experiences is done with a brain that's not fully developed. Our brain, the, the adult part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, is not fully developed until we're 26 years old. Oh, wow. So we have all these very interesting belief systems we put in place when we're children that match the child mind, but they don't really work so well in adulthood. Like, for example, I always use my experience because it's really easy to track. This was my research. It's called Healing Unresolved Trauma Model, the HURT Model. And so what happens is you first have this event and then your body goes into some sort of reaction to the feeling you have. Mm -hmm. So whenever I get called to the principal's office, the vice principal, the intercom in the corner of our classroom would go off and I'd go straight into a, a fight, flight, freeze, right? Freeze. Kids usually go into freeze because we don't have power. So I would instantly heart just like a, I call it the panicked rabbit right I would just yeah, like and so it, it could have been for anything like the secretary asking the teacher something or getting up to say the pledge of allegiance or every single time it would set me off like Pavlov's dog and then every once in a while I get called to the vice principal's office so so in my body was that panicked rabbit sensation the physical response but the meaning that I created is, is really important. I said, oh, he says this is my fault. I must be somehow not doing something right. I must be somehow bad. And so then the, from the meaning, you create a belief. Mm -hmm. And the belief that I created was I have to be perfect to even survive. To even get out of this alive, I have to be perfect. And so then the behavior that I adopted for my meaning and my belief was perfectionism. And, you know, after all these years of doing therapy and working with people to transform these beliefs and these meanings and to help them with their trauma and to help them reverse their autoimmune disease mm -hmm. like I did, there, I have not found one woman with autoimmune disease who is not a perfectionist. So that's part of it is we, we kind of, put a big weight on ourselves. We are people pleasers and we're perfectionists. And then we also have some kind of poison from past pain when we have autoimmunity. And all three of those have to be redone mm -hmm. with an adult mind, right? So I was able to look at that and go, oh, well, that's not actually a formula for life that is doable. 
Yeah, totally. It's not doable, right? But do you know how many women are walking around out there with the same one? So many. Yeah. I know. And yet we do it to ourselves. I always say as women of our time where we're trying to bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and look hot at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and we just, we just really are annihilating ourselves. We're not wired to be able to sustain that kind of a belief system. <laughs> yeah. And trying all day doing everything at the same time. And what you were saying, being, trying to be perfect and working and take like having kids and taking care of the house or this or and even like I'm saying these things even like mother woman we still do right. a lot of those right. things even exactly. if our partners do them too you know but it's yeah. still a big part of it but we don't spend the time what you're saying so important like actually when something is not working in your body just to think about it and don't like when you it's so interesting what you were saying with the doctor situation like when you go to a doctor and they just give you a recipe for something like Mm -hmm. sometimes that's not enough well most of the time it's not because we're never deficient in a medication like if you're depressed right it's not because you're deficient in prozac it's because there's something going on and so you always have to look inside of the the physical structure, there might be a biochemical problem. Like I always do genetic testing on all my patients because I want to know what are the genetics that have been flipped on mm-hmm. that we can then go in and have them expressed differently. It can be in, you know, in the energy body, it can be in the emotional body, the mental body or the spiritual body. And it's always revealed in the, the way that somebody tells their story. I hear it all the time, right? Somebody that has a weight issue that will say, I've been fighting with my weight my whole life, right? Well, Mm -hmm. if you are at war with yourself, there's no winner. If your body and your mind are in a combative relationship, that's what I mean by relationships. They're not always the ones everyone thinks like, oh, that's a romantic partner, but that's Mm -hmm. the relationship to you too, right? And so it's like that relationship doesn't end well if your mind and your body are in a combative relationship, right? And so what what I'm always doing is saying, okay, let's get you into a collaborative relationship with yourself between all of the parts of you, right? So that they're all working together. And when that happens and you've got teamwork, there's no stopping you. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, if you're seeing something is not working, the first person who has to start doing something is yourself. Right. It doesn't matter that you go and doing a hundred diets, a hundred doctors, a hundred everything. If yeah. you're not solving that main problem, that maybe that relationship with food or that relation exactly. that it comes from something from your childhood or things like that. Mm-hmm. that is so interesting it's just mind-blowing all these things <laughs> and then I was reading something on your website that I love it you say we don't listen to the feedback from the body until it turns up the volume and screams <laughs> unfortunately I, I wrote a book called solving the autoimmune puzzle mm-hmm. and and I talk about inside of that this 
this formula that I have discovered called the misery to motivation ratio. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the way that human beings seem to be, and I'm always saying, please don't do it this way, right? But I did it this way too, is you have to get really seriously miserable before you're willing and motivated to make the changes that have to happen. So the way that our culture works is we just want to take a pill and move on, right? Or we want to go on a diet or we want to, whatever it is. But in reality, that's, that's not ever the fix, right? And so it, it, unfortunately, people have to get pretty darn miserable a lot of times before they'll be motivated to really go in and look at these childhood beliefs and meanings and behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, they know they're self-sabotaging themselves, but then they just blame themselves for not being strong enough but it isn't about strength and it's not about willpower it's it's really about these different parts that we create as children to defend our little psyche so we all have a part that is our uh like our manager the one that can really get everything done and get organized and we all have a part that is our defender you know and it, it's Sometimes that one comes out when we're in a fight with somebody and it's not a very pretty part of us usually. Um, and then we all have a part that's kind of a judge and a critic and holier than thou and very, 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 very critical, right? And that can get turned on the self a lot too. Yeah. And then we all have a part that is, is, you know, these parts of us that are hidden away that we don't want anyone to see. The ones that, that we don't even want to see ourselves, you know, the ones that maybe we think we're kind of crazy, right? And, and so we do everything we can to make sure nobody or any of us feels crazy or sees crazy. You know, crazy is not okay. And so we have, we just have all these different parts of us that are operating in the background with, and they don't even know each other exists. So, you know, part of when things fall apart is because these parts have been not working together, like I said, as a team. Mm -hmm. And so getting those out and really starting to witness them and say, oh, I see why you got created, right? So, so let's, let's give you something else to do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you don't actually need to eat Ben and Jerry's in front of the television every time things feel overwhelming, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I can give you a different job, right? And so it's, it's really about being, having curious compassion yourself like being really curious about what the experience of each one of these parts are and and then having a loving compassionate response mm -hmm. to how that part even got created and what its job is and these are all parts of your ego of course and everyone wants to demean the ego and say it's bad and everything but it's actually the ego is what we created to protect our little innocent psyche when we're young so we want to learn how to befriend it and enlist its aid when it's necessary and then give it maybe a coloring book and some crayons to work on in the corner yeah. for most of the rest of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. So what would you think it would be like a good, I mean, I guess it's all the, always is a good time to start right now to work on these things, but would you see... Uh, in your clients or the the woman that you work with uh, a common theme or like what will be a sign that for example for me I'll be like oh I should actually check this before my body scream what will be some signs yeah. 
to be aware of? So what I tell people to do is to watch for the places that they're not happy with how things go in their lives, right? So, so where, where do you get triggered um, over things like what makes you angry or what makes you sad? What makes you want to pull the color covers over your head? What makes you reach for foods that maybe are not life supportive? They're more destructive mm-hmm. um, or not just foods, but any habits, right? Or do you shop too much and you're always in debt or, you know, what, what is it that you're using to numb out painful feelings? You know, what is it that you do with those? Mm -hmm. And so that's where you begin to start to observe. And then what's your language that you use? I always say, watch your language. And I don't mean like shit, damn and hell. I mean, you know, the language that you use with yourself, how often are you saying, self-recriminating things to yourself how what's the tone you use to speak to yourself do you get on a scale and say ah or look in the mirror and go ah you know and or or do you have gratitude and appreciation for this just amazing body you know that is this incredible feat of engineering that works and works and works and works you know and and it does it so well you know, and in, or do you feel betrayed because you don't think your body's doing what it should do? You know, how often are you shitting all over yourself and your body? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, where are your places that you find yourself not content? And that's where you start. In my book, in solving the autoimmune puzzle, I have a bunch of worksheets, and it kind of takes people through very methodically. Kind of explains this and shows how to work it through and it's, oh great we'll have your website on all the links so people can look at them mm-hmm. and then you know this opens up of course a um, whole bunch of questions for people like like you just asked where do I start what about genetics how do I know how my hormones are doing and and so uh, usually when I do a summit interview like this I like to invite people to do a more in-depth like webinar afterwards and I can tell you about testing and how to how to track this and what you're looking for and all of that stuff. So perfect, that's great. Yeah, we'll have that information too, so people can actually go to one of your webinars and get all this information because I think it's just so amazing. And sometimes we really don't. It's so interesting because it's true. Like we don't really pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And once that you start looking into yourself and how you feel, and especially another thing I'm telling all the audience uh, during this video series, you don't have to do it by yourself because we yeah. have a lot of experts like Dr. Kisa, who like she has studied so much <laughs> and has so much experience that it can help you actually to walk through the process. So you don't have to start studying by yourself or anything like that, because there is so many like books and things to just go deep into these things. Yeah, it's true. Um, I have a, for people that love doing this and you know, I started a, uh, about five years ago, a health coach certification program. I call, it's called the Academy for Integrative Medicine Health Coach Certification Program. And I built it for people that did not go to medical school and didn't go to nutrition school that are lay people that 
really want to know how to do what I do because my patients were so much smarter than most doctors. You know, I mean, it was just so amazing with all, I call, um, I call my program one that I built for summit junkies, you know, people that love information and want to know how to really make it relevant for themselves and others. And in that, when I, when I show that, I always say, you know, you're taking advantage of really, you know, <laughs> 35 years of education to this, you know, for that's worth about a half a million dollars of what I've spent over my life. <laughs> education. (laughs) Right. And, and distilling it down to this, this program that you can then take and start doing right away. And that's amazing, you know, because when I started out with this, when I was first diagnosed, there was nothing like any of the stuff that's out there today. And, you know, I said, if I had had me back then, it would have been so much simpler. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally true. That's true. So we are getting to the end of the interview. Is there anything you will want to add to the conversation today? I think just really making sure that uh, one of the exercises I give to people that I think is really useful is to take your journal and write down, just do this as an exercise, all the expectations that you have of your body and of your mind, and of your emotional self, and of your spiritual self, and of life, all the people in your life, your your partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, kids, parents, siblings, the government, you know, God, whatever it is that, that is at play for you, you know, the ingredients of your life, write down what you expect of each thing, and notice how some of those expectations are very unrealistic and see if you can let those go. And then notice the ones that you want to keep. Like in my marriage, my husband and I, we expect each other to be monogamous. That's our agreement with each other. And so I'm not going to change that expectation, you know? So, but, but if I expect him to pick up his socks every day, I'm going to be disappointed all the time. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's like, where are the expectations that you have of maybe maybe your body or life you know mm-hmm. that are not expectations that anyone's agreed with you on you just created them out of thin air for yourself mm-hmm. and they're probably based on beliefs that you created with an undeveloped brain when you were a child and now you're just unhappy all the time because those expectations aren't being met a lot of people have problems with the government, you know, and I always say, and I work with them on this and say, so why do you expect the government to be different? I mean, who said that it's supposed to be different, you know? So as long as that doesn't mean you have to just roll over and accept everything, but you get to start seeing, oh, that's my expectation. So if I want to see if I can make that happen, I'm going to have to work toward that instead of just complaining about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just working in the things that you can, that is in your hands kind of thing. Exactly. Instead yeah, exactly. of like being all day bothered for things that are out of your reach. Right. That is so good. Well, Dr. Kisa, this conversation was so good. I love talking to you and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye everybody. Bye.